Support for this podcast comes from Blackline and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Renee Hornbaker, CFO of Stream Energy, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is Episode 231. a finance leader, are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Todd Cope, CFO of GSI Health. So this company also gave me another uh, interesting step uh, towards finance in that they sent me at a relatively early point in my career uh, to Penang, Malaysia to start and run an engineering design center there. And Malaysia is a very multicultural country, and so that gave me a real early lesson in that regardless of background, race, religion, you know, people can come together and do great things. Uh, that site has since grown to a thousand people, and it was, you know, sort of a great startup experience, but it had the safety net of being backed by a larger company. Listen to our complete interview with Todd after these words from our sponsor. Many accounting and finance professionals are facing a sizable obstacle these days. In this age of data enlightenment, their financial close processes leave no time for data analysis. The very activity that opens the door to new opportunities and career advancement. Blackline has the answer. By automating, centralizing, and streamlining financial close operations, Blackline customer organizations are now ready for the data-centric world, allowing their finance and accounting professionals to open the door to new opportunities. To learn more, visit blackline.com forward slash CFO. Hello, we're speaking to Todd Cope, CFO of GSI Health, a leading provider of population health management tools. Todd, welcome. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate the time. So, Todd, we always like to begin by discovering what uh, perhaps has prepared you for this role. What would you tell us? What are your those uh, experiences that brought you uh, into the CFO office? Well, Jack, I would say my path to CFO has been quite roundabout. Uh, I actually started my professional career as an electrical engineer in Silicon Valley, designing circuits. And that's every bit as geeky as it sounds designing a circuitry that goes inside computer chips. Uh, I think I may be one of the few CFOs that hold several engineering patents. <laughs> I learned a lot. How of, many exactly? How many exactly? I'm, na- I'm named on 20. Wow, no kidding. That, uh, we have had some before, but I don't think any quite that high. That's impressive. <laughs> well, I learned a lot working in Silicon Valley. Uh, the tech company I was at uh, grew into a Fortune 500 company, and I experienced the evolution from being technology-driven to market-driven. And one of the biggest uh, things I learned there is the difference between innovation and entrepreneurship. Innovation is great, but it doesn't really help a company if someone isn't there to commercialize it. Okay, well, the path from engineering to finance leader is certainly not a a straight line. Retrace uh, some of your steps here for us. Yeah, I think the first step there, uh, I moved into... Uh, a product marketing role, and it was really interesting to be marketing the same products that I'd helped design, and it sort of drove home that idea that technology itself is cool, but what's really cool is technology that people will buy. So again, it was an important lesson early in my career to learn that, you know, to focus financial and human resources on innovation that can be commercialized. 
Okay. Uh, well, I'm looking at uh, your LinkedIn profile, and of course, the company we're talking about is Altera, a semiconductor firm that would later be acquired by Intel uh, in 2014. 2015, excuse me, but as you explain it, um, you became responsible for pricing and financial forecasting for a $400 million product line, a semiconductor product line there. So this company also gave me another uh, interesting step uh, towards finance in that they sent me at a relatively early point in my career uh, to Penang, Malaysia to start and run an engineering design center there. And Malaysia is a very multicultural country, and so that gave me a real early lesson in that regardless of background, race, religion, you know, people can come together and do great things. Uh, that site has since grown to 1,000 people, and it was you know, sort of a great startup experience, but it had the safety net of being backed by a larger company. And then it was able to <clears throat> see products that I had designed and how they worked in the marketplace and be able to understand uh, how pricing and how features and how marketing uh, these features applied in the uh, in the market space. And at the same time, I was I was getting in high school. I was getting an MBA, and so I sort of had a a, a daytime <laughs> experience, a nighttime experience, where I was getting sort of business and, and, and marketing and finance input for, uh, all the time that I wasn't sleeping. So I was able to to really sort of grow in that role and understand uh, particularly technology into uh, a market role in commercializing that technology that, that's cool in itself, but what's really cool is when you know people will, will buy that technology, and, and so that grew, grew role that role grew until uh, there was you know I was managing 400 million dollars of products all around the world, uh, understanding the channels, understanding the pricing in different markets, different currencies, all those things uh, are, are over over a several year period. I was able to learn uh, as the company grew and the product line I had grew. That was a really big step as far as moving from an engineering, uh, solely engineering mindset to a, a, a market-driven financial uh, mindset. And then my next step, uh, and I think it's you know a milestone as well, is moving into a very different industry. Um, I moved to a startup that was literally four guys in a garage at a racetrack uh, building brakes and suspensions to go on high-end cars. And uh, when the CEO was trying to bring me in, he's like, he's said, well, <clears throat> I told him I wasn't really a car guy. And his reply was, that's great. I've got plenty of car guys. I need an ROI guy. <laughs> so so uh, given that he was okay with that, uh, I took that step. And then the biggest takeaway there was uh, learning you know, how to really run a, in a cash-efficient manner, even when we're in hyper-growth mode. Uh, that That group of you know, four guys at its peak grew to a company that had millions in sales and over 50 employees, including offices in Europe. Uh, and I learned lessons managing that, you know, growth there that's really helped me prepare as a CFO of GSI Health to help manage the rapid growth we've seen, we're seeing here today. Uh, STA, what is it, Stasis? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's right. So, so there was a, it was an engineering company that did high-end uh, things for uh, – for Audi, so it did, did high-end uh, equipment to allow people to upgrade their Audis. That was the, the role that company had. So, again, completely different semiconductors, completely different healthcare. Uh, I think a lot of the, the ideas that financial um, guys are able to, to glean from different industries can be applied lots of places, and, and having that exposure, I think, has been, been very valuable. Okay, so uh, my next question would be, how do you find your way, then, into the healthcare space? 
Well, I was uh, <clears throat> looking for what would I would do next, and I was thinking uh, that you know either social media or healthcare were areas that that kind of interest me and were were really growth industries that I thought it would be fun to be a part of. And GSI Health uh, was uh, a company that I really found uh, the technology industry interesting. They were at a, a, an early stage of growth and had a, a technology I thought could be applied uh, to be something really big. So I wanted to, to help be a part of that. So tell us about GSI Health. What are the products and services and what sets it apart today in the, the healthcare space? Well, in the big picture, GSI Health is, is in the healthcare IT space. Um, specifically, we provide a tool that allows our clients to coordinate the care of their patients across the entire care continuum in the context of caring for an entire population, and that's called population health management. Um, so, so what that means is it, we're sort of the big shift to moving from healthcare delivery from a, a fee-from-service model to a fee-for-value model. So payers today, whether they're public or private, are moving away from just paying providers to do actions meaning they no longer want to incentivize providers just, excuse me, meaning they no longer want to incentivize providers to just to do things. Um, you know, they want to help them get and keep their patients well. And that's where the fee-for-value part comes in. You don't get, you know, paid for just running a test or, or, or doing an x-ray. You get paid based on results of, of the care that you provide. And what are some of the key metrics that you are keeping a close eye on today to uh, understand how, GSI is performing? Yeah, for us, uh, certainly the biggest key metric for us is the number of patients on our platform. So part of what we do is we share and uh, protect the personal health care information of, of patients that are serviced by our clients. So the number of patients based on our platform uh, is, is what metric that drives a lot of our revenue because we have a SaaS-based model where we get paid for each patient on the platform. Uh, so that's obviously was, important. Go ahead. Was it always a SaaS-based model, or was this another firm that converted? Oh, that's an excellent point. So GSI Health, uh, in the early part of its uh, life, was a healthcare IT consultant, uh, moved on to a sort of software for hire, uh, moved on to hosting uh, healthcare data for people, now has evolved to a product-based SaaS-driven company. Now, are you measuring, like a lot of SaaS companies, are you measuring customer success or the customer experience more closely? Uh, we are. So, you know, our, our providers, uh, our clients often have to provide reporting to different state agencies, and they look at things like admissions, readmissions that were avoidable and things like that. So certainly we're very in tune with what, they, uh, what they're seeing in their metrics that they're getting you know, graded on to get their uh, reimbursements and their payments from this fee-for-value model. Okay. Well, as someone who began their career in engineering and spent part of it in marketing and then on to finance, you may bring some interesting uh, perspective as far as uh, what we always call an aha moment, and that is a, a moment that you experienced while serving in a finance leadership role, uh, a moment of strategic insight that you garnered because of finance's unique lines of sight. What what would that be? Yeah, so this is a really interesting one for me, and, and, it, and it, it may seem simple, but as the CFO of automotive, part, uh, automotive Parts Company, you know, one moment one was when we realized that we weren't selling car parts. Um, <laughs> the brake suspensions, all those things weren't really what people were buying. Um, 
our parts were built for high-end cars and people had purchased to feel special in that car. And so what we were really selling was the ability to take a product, apply it to that special car and make it, make it even more special. So we were really selling a, you know, a brand and a lifestyle, not a brake kit. I mean, of, of course the brakes had to perform, but equally important was putting our brand on the caliper so the public could see it and know it was special. And that was sort of an important realization for us. And it changed what we thought we'd be able to price the product at, what margin we should expect. And, it, you know, it sounds pretty simple, but you really need to know what you're selling. And, and I think, you know, in GSA Health, it's kind of the same way. We're not really selling a software platform, but we're enabling population health management. Uh, when it comes to, let's talk a little bit about the workforce today. And what are your goals as it relates to that workforce, being a finance leader? What types of insights are you looking to glean uh, to build a better workforce? Yeah, we have a, a very dynamic workforce. We, we've, over the last 12 months, increased our full-time employees by 85%. Uh, you know, that can really put a strain on any organization. And, and getting the right people in the right roles is a particular challenge, you know, when you're growing that fast. So to continue at this pace, you know, we have to keep hiring, hiring standards high and manage the cost of employee people. So, and both those fall under, under my purview. Um, so, so part of what we're trying to do to help be able to continue to recruit it's to look at, uh, we, we've invested in new headquarters here in the city, city of Philadelphia, um, and we're able to go and recruit, um, I think, a more tech talent, younger talent, and bring them in, in, into the space. And, and we're looking for, uh, you know, having a nice tech center in a major metropolitan area really helps uh, w- with that. We now move to the mentoring round where we ask you several questions to inspire and mentor aspiring finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? In fact, almost everything is the rate of change of technology, its impact on finance and healthcare specifically, and you know, in business generally. Um, you know, we have people all over the world that can work together on projects, uh, all working towards the same goal, and you know, find the right person for the right job, no matter where they live, and get them to interface and interact with people in the right way. I think embracing globalization in a business is a huge advantage for those who can master it. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? <laughs> I think I would ask or would have liked to have known, uh, you know, tell me not to under- underestimate the amount of uncertainty in business and to value flexibility in a financial model, you know, more than trying to measure things out to mo- or predict things out to multiple decimal places. What personal habit do you believe has contributed to your professional success? I think given my background, approaching problems from an engineer's perspective is a trait that has served me very well. Uh, being able to form a hypothesis, test those hypotheses, and then willingness to continue to learn new things. Um, additionally, I think, I, I don't know if this is a habit, but the ability and interest to, to spend a lot of time working is a big advantage. You know, the only way you can really do that is enjoy your job. So I think that's really important to be able to get, to get the quality time on your profession is to, to really enjoy what you're doing. Finance thought leaders don't go anywhere. We're about to ask our finance leader guest for their business priorities over the next 12 months. But first, permit us 30 seconds to thank our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company 
for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Our final question, what are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Well, as I continue to manage our growth path and enable our, our continued innovation in new markets and geographies, uh, we're always looking to expand. Um, you know, I think our company has the ability to truly impact health of individuals across the nation, and I feel my responsibility as a finance leader is to manage those things well so that we can part of the, be part of the solution for our national health care issues. Todd Cope, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate the time. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. At CFO Thought Leader, we wanted to give you, the listener, some added clout when it comes to selecting next season's CFO guests. We call it Listener's Choice. And in the months ahead, our Listener's Choice guests will enjoy some added box office clout as we advance the CFOs you most want to hear from into next season's CFO lineup. To learn more about CFO Thought Leader's Listener's Choice, visit us at cfothoughtleader.com or go ahead and email me at jack at cfothoughtleader.com. Hey, one last thing. It's no secret when we originated CFO Thought Leader, it was with iPhone users in mind. Android users, we have neglected you. And so to make amends, we just released a CFO Thought Leader mobile app just for you. It's now ready for download on Google Play and Amazon Android Markets. No matter what world you're part of, thank you for listening. <laughs>